Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Welcome everybody back to Faked. We're going to start this one off just talking about how you can get in contact with me. And I'd like you guys to follow us on all primary social media platforms, whether that is Facebook, Instagram, and Podbean. We are actually on um, Spotify. I think you can follow on, but um, I don't think you can actually interact with us. So it's not as important, but... I do want to get in contact with some of you guys listening here just so I can get some feedback and how we can potentially improve. Maybe, you know, some future episodes might be influenced by some of you as well. That's what I'd like. I'd like some crowdsourcing of this because, boy, do I love doing the um, research on this. But, you know, with my daily job and, you know, all of my business affairs does get a little um, wary after a while, but it is fun. I do enjoy it, and that's that's why we do it. But I just figured I'd let you guys know we are at uh, FAKD Podcast uh, on most of those platforms. So you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, even Gmail. So you can just do fakedpodcast at gmail.com and send me just a quick email, whatever you want to chat at me, and we can get some conversation started. So... That's it. That's just kind of my spiel to begin with, but uh, I usually don't do those, so wanted to, you know, drop it and let everybody know that there is some two-way communication here. That's the I think that's a big thing. Anywho, you guys have probably heard of this. Oh, I don't know, a little restaurant called Cracker Barrel Old Country Store. Okay, so. You've got you guys have probably been in there and eaten there. Um, I think that most of the charm comes from actually eating and dining in. You know, I don't know too many people that do. Well, I guess they probably have a pretty big to go order service as well. But here, that's neither here nor there. But a lot of people go in there because there's the gift shop. So there's the gift shop as you walk in. A lot of cool stuff, kind of like Americana based, very old. Uh, you know, I salute America kind of thing it's got a lot of the uh, the old america to it which is cool you know i i dig that but then you walk into the actual dining area and in the dining area you are smashed with a barrage of antiques okay whether that's a backhoe over your head a creepy picture of some dude staring at you while you're you know eating six pounds of mashed potatoes or you know, some facsimile thereof. And you got to sit there and wonder, are all of these real? Because every single Cracker Barrel has the same stuff. And you're like, man, this all can't be authentic. There's no way in heck they can source all of this. And you know, you're, you're as you're stuffed in your gob, thinking this through your head, you are indeed wrong. Okay, so... Yeah, this was very interesting. I think this warranted its own episode. The fact that Cracker Barrel does source all of their um, all of their antiquities, uh, actually, funny enough, by one dude. Okay, one guy does all of it. So, 
let's let's jump in here and just talk about how does one person find I mean, I don't know how many stores there are. There's gotta be like over two thousand cracker barrels. That might be like totally low balling, but anyways, over two thousand cracker barrels, a tremendous amount of cracker barrels. And they all need to be sourced and they all need to be filled with um antiquities but but not only just antiquities but like that of the caliber of cracker cracker barrel so it's not just like everything you know it's not just anything and everything can go in there it's very it's very curated there's a particular antiquity that does find its way into the four walls of your local cracker barrel so procurement for cracker barrels uh 26,000 square foot decor warehouse okay there is a warehouse that houses all of these antiquities and they all get the fixins before they end up getting out um being sent to uh maybe a store that's lacking some or a news store or i don't know something something like that so anyways it's overseen by a decor manager larry singleton so one dude one singleton, you know. Uh, his family has been in charge of sourcing antiques uh, for the restaurant since it first opened in 1969. So that, I mean, that's a pretty dang good gig. I'd like to find out what the uh, the payment is on this. You know, what is the title? So it looks like it's, uh, I guess the title is decor manager, but what is that payment? What does it look like? So... He said in the beginning uh, they were storing stuff that they bought in their grandparents' bedroom, uh, says Larry. And that's, um, yeah, Larry Singleton. So it's one of those things that became a vocational before I knew it. They got me before I knew I was got. So that's a Larry quote right there. Okay. So fun fact is every last one of the, there we go, 650 stores. So I totally highballed it. Gosh, I had lofty. Um, expectations for Cracker Barrel. You just see them everywhere. 600, maybe it's an Ohio thing. That's probably what it is. Yeah, man, 650. That seems, I don't know, maybe that seems dated. Maybe this, maybe this uh, article I'm grabbing from is, uh, is dated. 650 sounds too low. Okay. Anyways, they've all been decorated by Singleton. That's crazy. Okay. They say the company's current hall of Americana rivals that of the Smithsonian and obviously has expanded beyond the Singleton residence. So these days it's all barcoded, cataloged, and organized at that particular warehouse, just waiting to be selected, shrink-wrapped, and shipped out to a country store near you. Okay, so whether it's coffee canisters, cookie bins, um, or more than 5,000 different food containers, um, they sit all in the Cracker Barrel warehouse. Yeah, gosh, that is that is so much stuff. I mean, I'm just thinking the end of uh, Indiana Jones, where you know it's just this huge warehouse where the lights come out. It's like, when <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going and going. So they said a few years ago, King Cole potato chip tins dominated the inventory. So does that mean the inventory in stores or nobody wanted them, and it was the um, the actual warehouse that was getting dominated by this inventory. But either ways, Singleton uh, purchased hundreds of them from a dealer in Maine where King Cole was founded. So that's a little bit of information. Man, I don't don't think I've ever had King Cole potato chips, but I do believe I've seen those tins there. So the Sultana Peanut Butter Pail... 
which uh, I guess is one of Larry's favorites. So if you do know what Sultana peanut butter is, and it comes in a pail, um, apparently that's Larry's favorite. So if you got one laying around, send it out to old Larry Singleton. He would enjoy it. Um, I guess, however, you could be making a pretty penny off of it because it looks like they are fairly expensive. Okay, let's go through the process. Let's go through the process that that, uh, Larry goes through in order to pick some of these these antiques that end up in these stores uh, and how the process looks to get them there. So step one is the picking. Okay, Larry buys thousands of items every year from dealers all across the country. The real jackpots, though, liquidation sales he purchased skates by the crateful from a shuttered chain of roller rinks so that's kind of cool you know go through liquidation uh, it's probably your best way because at least there's some uniformity that comes out of that so at least you're gonna have i don't know 300 of your 650 stores maybe have this similar roller skate which is kind of cool people like the uniformity in their food and i think they like it in their decor you know you don't go to a walmart and then expect another walmart uh to be different however uh when you do go down to like florida man those things are whack they're all like green and stuff i don't know it's weird to me feels weird doesn't feel like you're in a walmart anyways step two is the processing okay upon arrival items are barcoded and inventoried Multiples are tagged as one number, so a lot of like 10 Jack and Jill gelatin boxes is considered one item, which is smart. That's the uniformity we're talking about. So everything is clean, sprayed with a clear coat, and displayed on shelving for designers to peruse. So that actually makes me happy, the fact that they do spray that with a clear coat. I, I have always thought, man, I don't feel like this stuff should be over my head. And I think they've done away with some of them, but I mean, it just looks dusty and it's like, that's a physical contaminant for your food that you're eating underneath it. I don't know. Maybe does that make me a Karen? I don't think it does. That's not, I don't think that's too much to ask when you're eating. Okay. Step number three is the production. Each store's design scheme is laid out in a mock store located at the warehouse to give each Cracker Barrel regional flair. Subtle nods to the location are incorporated, usually signage, which is custom framed on site. So that's kind of cool. Just like, and believe it or not, Applebee's actually, um, I haven't been in Applebee's in so long, but they actually do use regional flair. They'll put like whatever high school up on the wall. It's kind of cool. You know, you don't see that a lot in franchises, but apparently Cracker Barrel does the same thing. Just some subtle nods. All right, so number four is the particulars. Items too small to hold their own on a shelf or wall are grouped in a thematic vignettes, okay? Also produced in the on-site frame shop. So they are really vertically integrated. You know, they're doing all the work there, okay? Larry is doing it all. So uh, number five, so step number five is the paint, okay? People said founder Danny Evans uh, bled brown, I don't, I don't even know what that means, but apparently he bled brown. So Cracker Barrel Royal Brown by Sherman Williams is a coffee-colored shade is used both inside and out of all Cracker Barrel. So I'm curious if the bled brown refers to coffee. 
but without context, it kind of seems a little creepy. I will tell you that. So uh, step number six, and this is the final step that Larry has to take in order to get those beautiful antiquities to your local Cracker Barrel. Okay. It's the packing. So final picks for each new location, roughly seven openings a year. So we're pretty close to 2,000. What are we about 30 years from? 40 years, maybe? And they're shrink-wrapped and sent to the store. So the local team then works fast from photos to install the scheme. And it all happens in just three days. That is crazy. That is cool, though, how they have the mock... um, the mock store there, because I have a friend that actually works for Nike, and he does all the mock stores out in um, Portland, because that's where the the Nike um, factory is, Nike offices are, um, and he does a lot of the the uh, pre like the engineering with the shelves and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. They do lay it all out first, just to make sure it does work where the you know where it ends up, because that's a lot of stuff to move over, and just to say, boy, does this not work. All right, so let's get into some of the non-negotiables. So this actually, this goes into our uniformity here. So these are some of the non-negotiables that they do not, um, they don't make any concessions on this. This is at every single Cracker Barrel you will end up at. Okay, so the deer head traditionally positioned above dining room fireplaces, which are always burning when the temp dips below 50 degrees. Fun fact, but holy cow, when does it ever dip below 50 degrees i'm imagining they're talking about outside now that i'm reading it again i'm imagining it never gets below 50 inside of the restaurant that's crazy um but my guess is outside makes everybody you know feel cozy while they're playing their little peg game okay so here's another one horseshoes hung above all front door exteriors bestowing good luck on everyone who enters ain't that nice okay cook stove used as display in the retail sections so you'll see always a a cook stove okay years ago larry bought these right off of folks front porches here's another one it's ox yokes introduced after the singletons notice them nailed above barn doors in the south so then they wanted to kind of, you know, emulate some of that feel. So it's hung alongside the horseshoe. And here's another one, last but not least, the traffic light always placed above bathroom doors. Once abundant at fleas mar- flea markets, you know, you could find them everywhere. Now, um, non-LED versions are like super scarce apparently, so it's pretty hard to find. So guys, that is it for our wonderful episode and probably unexpected episode on Cracker Barrel and whether the antiques sitting three feet above your head are real or not. And the answer is they are real. There's no fakery here, okay? No counterfeits, no counterfeits with Cracker Barrel. So next time you do uh, end up eating at one of the lovely 650 Cracker Barrels, just check that out, you know? Look around, look at some of those non-negotiables, like, oh my gosh, there it is. There it is. There it is. You know, Joseph talked about that in the faked podcast. I know all about this stuff. Strike up a conversation with one of the lovely servers about it. Maybe they didn't know. Turn them on to the podcast. You know, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, remember guys, with faked items, there are those that produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.